You're either single or you're not. If you're not single, then, (laughs) you know, because also if you're not single, I don't want you to become single for me. That's too much fucking pressure. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be blamed for anything. Like, I, I really believe we are all... You know, you talk to people, they're like, oh, I'm seeing this person, but he's a bit confused. It's not the right time. He's got so much going on. Fucking bullshit. If it's not yes, it's no. Honestly. That's that's so true. And I I remember my mum saying something to me once, which actually scared me mm. at the time into teaching me that my feelings are my own and I'm mm. in control of them. I was, I don't know. In fact, funny story about this guy that I'm about to mention this guy mm. I dated when I was like 18 to 20, I was telling my friend when I was had had a drink on Friday about all the lengths I went to to try to get with this guy who I met when I worked in a nightclub. <laughs> and I showed her, I showed her his Instagram profile and accidentally liked the photo that was oh, posted no. more recently. And I just thought the next morning, Saturday, literally yesterday, I woke up and I was like, oh, my God, this is mortifying. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to own it, whatever. I liked his picture, you know, the mm, end. Mm. And um, But so he cheated on me way back in the day. And I went home from his house after a night of crying and misery. And my mum was ironing. I remember it so clearly. I walked in the door. I was like, oh, this has happened. And he said he didn't actually sleep with her and... I'm not sure whether I believe him because I know what she's like. I know what he's like. And I know that they've been together before. And my mum just looked at me. She was like, look, I'm just going to say this once. In my opinion, this is not good enough for you. But Mm. I'm not the one who gets to decide what's good enough for you. You are. Mm. If it's good enough for you, stay. If it's not Mm. good enough for you, leave. And I just thought, that's actually really scary. (laughs) To, mm. to be the one in control of what's good enough for you. Um, so I've tried to carry that through my other relationships, which are just, you know, one after the other as I tick them all off. No, but, but generally, I, I think people don't want to take responsibility. And that's not to say I've got it all figured out. I mean, God knows I've had my fair share of, <laughs> of interesting experiences, but people forget they have, they, they always yeah, have Yeah, remember choice. the guy that bought you a pillow? I, I, what? Who bought what, me a pillow? Some guy, oh my God, where is my memory bank right now? So some guy, I remember (laughs) that you dated back when we were at bar school, bought you a pillow for his house after he left his girlfriend or something and then went really rogue on you. What? I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I don't think this is me because I tend to remember my funny stories and I'd remember this one. definitely you. Some guy bought you a pillow to have at his house okay (laughs) I know exactly what you're thinking of (laughs) I know exactly this is after bar school oh is it because at bar school I was getting back with my ex-boyfriend at the time who I was with for a very long time who never bought me a pillow but I probably would have quite liked one um (laughs) (laughs) you are thinking about I think if my memory served me correctly, the person you're thinking about was completely mental. And yes, yes, he was fucking insane. He was so, oh my God, he was so crazy. I don't even know if Should I want to go Should we just call him Pillow Guy for a moment, please? <laughs> because all I he, remember about him is that he mm, fucking bought you a pillow to have in mm, his house and then like a week later went rogue or something. I can't even remember. He but. was a little bit stalker. I never actually went to his house. So he was someone who, I mean, he was actually similar to the other story I told, he was someone who 
I think had told me they were single or broken up with their girlfriends when they hadn't really. You know, but you learn lessons. This person basically was like, oh, I'm crazy about you, but I don't want to be with you. Wow, that's a complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> Fucking unpack me. that with your therapist, mate, before you text <laughs> me again. Oh, Christ, how did it happen? I remember that he would call me. So I'd broken up with my long-term ex-boyfriend and he was what would effectively be termed a rebound, albeit very, very short because, mm. as you said, he kind of was like, I'm so crazy about you. And then was like, actually, no. You but, were devastated about your ex as well. I was, you know, he, yeah. I remember that very, very vividly when we went for a I was weekend so vulnerable. Mm. And that was a lot for you. That was Even a lot. though I, I was, was the one you know, who left, you know, that's the thing that I meant. That's how I know about the mm. guilt. I was the one who left, but I was, I was heartbroken. Anyway, and this person would then call me every night for an hour. And I would convince myself that he was calling me because he really did love me or want something with me. This is a very important lesson that I had to learn in my life. He called me every <laughs> night for an hour and I was like trying to make all these excuses or trying to rationalize why he would call me, but then not want to be with me. Or like, maybe he does want something. I don't know. I just had all of these conflicting emotions in my head. And mm. he was also a little bit stalkerish. So, you know, he kind of turned up at my house a few times in ways that weren't really funny or, you know, outside my workplace trying to be like, oh, look, I'm so thoughtful. And I was like, no, you're crazy. And I also realized like that he had a, a thing on his phone where he would keep notes about everyone he ever met. Um, yeah. Ooh, red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And be like, you know, it's just like completely mental. And similar with the pub thing, like inviting me to the pub, a bit like the other dude, and was on a date with someone else. So having, you know, so I was just like, why would you invite me to come and look at you, be on a date with someone? Like, it was just so strange. I am totally to blame in the sense that I let that behavior carry on. Part of it was because I, I so wanted to understand what was happening. I just couldn't, I couldn't rationalize it and therefore I couldn't let it go. And he taught me one of the biggest lessons I've ever had to learn and that has served me so well. Someone else's crazy is not mine to figure out. It's not mm. my problem. I don't need to understand. I don't need to know. All I need to know is that you're clearly mentally unbalanced and yeah. as your mum was saying, not good enough, go away. The weird thing is, I don't know whether it's a, a sort of protective factor that we put around ourselves, but we tend to like rationalise or romanticise or try to explain somebody else's behaviour when sometimes you just need to look at it and say, that's shit and that's mm. not good enough and I'm off. Mm. And I think that I particularly have a tendency, I'm learning this about myself as I go mm. through these years, I have a tendency to pretend somebody is something that they just aren't. Mm, and see I the potential. Of, yeah, and I, I create this person in my mind that I think they are or mm. I've convinced myself they are, and they're just not that person. And then you get, And then I get surprised when they aren't being that person. I, for example, persuaded myself that my ex-partner was somebody who wanted to go for a 10K run with me on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Mm. I pretended to myself that he was a rational sort of person who wanted to settle down and have a family. But this was a person I created in my mind. Mm. And then I was forever disappointed when he wasn't living up to this person that I pretended he was. And I've done it in so many relationships when I look back. I'm like, that person was not that what I wanted them to be because they just weren't that person. And you can't, 
you can't date somebody and pretend they're something that they're not and then hold mm. them to the standard of that you know I mean it's so funny because looking back when you've reminded me of that story I, I can I can feel how unhappy I was at the time I can feel how mm. insecure I was back then I didn't know myself I mean even my first partner and I'd stayed with him for a very long time and I was devastated when it ended but I was so different then to who I am now and I didn't really know myself then so I didn't really know what the standard was that I wanted in a relationship but there's something that I learned from that the pillow person that you're mentioning <laughs> pillow guy pillow guy he he created my theory of 90 10 when I met him I mean I do think he was a little bit mental I do think he kind of preyed on my vulnerability I was really not in a good place and so my, if I was to meet that person, I mean, obviously now there was no chance, but even back then, but if I'd been like, you know, maybe six months on and healed a little bit, maybe I would have been a little more discerning. But I had this thing where I was so vulnerable. I was, I think, so just, I was so used to what I had in my last relationship. And the thing is, although it hadn't been perfect, um, or at least not, it, it, I didn't think it was viable for my long-term happiness, which is, you know, ultimately why it ended, I, I would say that it was like, at the time I said 90, maybe I look back now and I say 70, but whatever, let's say 90. It was 90% <laughs> good. 90% was what I wanted, but it was missing a 10%. And this person came along and he had the 10% that was missing, which was primarily communication. And I made the mistake of kind of assuming that because he had the 10 and I was so used after however many years of the 90, that he had the 90. Oh. And I remember it was such a shock to me when I realized he only had the 10 and didn't have the 90. And not only did he not have the 90, he had a full fucking bag of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa. But yeah, That's it's so interesting because mm. I do think when we recognize something in a partner that we don't like or is not good enough, it's mm. so easy to latch on to that quality when you see it in somebody else. Mm. And you sort of go running in with your eyes shut and your fingers in your ears with no open mind about, okay. Who is this person? Let's not focus on what they are not that you hated about the last one. Mm. But who are they and what are they bringing? And but I think that that's, mm. it's so easy to get trapped in with somebody who's not the right person because they are, they have certain qualities that your ex-partner didn't have or wasn't able to bring to the table. Or, you know, like I, I look at myself after periods where you've been like either very single, or very alone or gone through trauma. You also, you know, you are craving affection, craving connection. And you want, you know, especially if you love love, which you do and I do sometimes, I think that also mm. kind of sways us. But it's again, it's so funny because hearing you talk about it, I think back to how I felt then. And the biggest difference I think that I feel is that, I mean, this we're talking over 10 years ago now. Mm. Well, pretty much exactly 10 years ago. At that point in time, I would I was always looking outside of myself to someone else for satisfaction or for them to bring certain things or to have certain qualities. Whereas now I can yeah. hand on heart say, I'm so much more at peace in myself, with myself. And I wasn't looking. And it's like, oh, when you're not looking, it comes on. But I really wasn't looking because... I didn't feel that I needed something or someone to bring me anything, actually. I was going about my life and just having a really good time and feeling happy and bringing joy and just feeling joyful in myself and really working on being a person that I could be proud of, you know, showing up as a friend that I wanted to be, showing up 
as my best self. And even when I was again on this work trip this week, you know, one of the one of the silks said to me that it's the happiest he's ever seen me. And wow. yeah, and you know, it's so funny because also a lot of emotion came up and feeling around that and like being back in this work environment. But I realized how, yeah, like actually I'm in myself just so much happier. And, and that comes with this all sorts of processes and, and grieving for yourself and, and growth and maturing. You know, it's also maturity and age and experience. But I just, I would never like, even hearing you speak about those stories, the kind of the pit in your stomach that it creates. Mm. God, I just, just, why do we put ourselves through that? <laughs> you know, we, we feel so miserable. Like my ex-partner, I was so fucking anxious a lot of the time because he was quite emotionally unstable. Again, I would never have admitted that at the time. And I was always making excuses and always looking at the potential, but actually it was fucking exhausting. Mm. And I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, like how did I let myself experience that? And, and there is a degree of saying, well, you know what, I, I fucking loved and I was trying to be understanding or whatever, but there is a fine line between being understanding and compassionate and just being like, you know what, here's my limit. And I'm, but because again, you know, it's a lesson I had to learn and I don't regret it, but because I've been through that, I'm just so not interested in anything like that at all mm. ever again. Also, I, you can't, I want peace. You can't let yourself drown because someone else can't swim. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I genuinely I want like, it was one of the things actually in, in waves in my last book, ultimately what I want in my life is peace, not problems. And it's, and, you know, it's funny you say that because I had a drink with a solicitor last week who said to me, I haven't seen you this happy, like the vibe you're giving off is so happy in such a long time. And I made a joke because obviously I just got back from Zanzibar, which was the holiday of a lifetime. It was mm. amazing. So I thought, oh, maybe it's because I've been on holiday, but maybe it's because I I treat myself like an absolute king. Like, mm. I buy myself flowers on Friday. I cook myself a whole chicken roast dinner on a Sunday. Like, mm. I treat myself so well when I think about it that maybe it's being on my own, you know, being in a relationship with the person who's treating me really well is making me happy. Probably does help that I have just had you know, the holiday of a lifetime, which was, mm. you know, remarkable. And just time to rest, read, switch off from all of the shit show that's popping off at work at the moment, which is mad. Mm. And it was, you know, I don't know whether it's the holiday or the lifestyle, but something's working for me right now. So I don't want it to stop. <laughs> but don't, don't you think it's the inner voice? Yeah, it may well be. That's a, a good point, actually. It, yeah. It's that you're kind to yourself. And I think even, you know, having the balls to leave that relationship, which I know was not easy, is, you know, you, it's your soul showing up for yourself. And it's remembering that, because I'll be frank, like there was a day when I was in Dubai, I was just in the worst mood ever. And I haven't felt that frustrated in over two years. Mm. And the frustration was like, it doubles because I don't like myself when I'm that angry. I don't like feeling that frustrated. So it was just kind of like this ball of frustration that kept growing. And I mm. had to remind myself that actually that was all external. Yes, it was understandable that I was pissed off or whatever, but I could choose to still be kind to myself and I could still choose to be happy within myself. And I, you know, put on my favorite playlist, had a little dance around my room. And I was like, <laughs> reminded myself of who I am. 
at my core and that's not a frustrated angry person you know mm. and when you're yeah it was it's just it's a you know you wake up every day and it's so silly but like how often do we even touch ourselves I don't even mean sexually I mean just like when you wake up just place your hands on your body and feel yourself like mm. feel your presence send yourself love through your hands tell yourself that you love yourself like I wake up in the mornings and I tell myself I'm going to have a good day and I'm excited for the day. And I imagine literally light streaming through the crown of my head and out through my heart, because that is what I want to embody for the day. And doing that I in the mornings, that. yeah, as I wake up, before I get out of bed, and same thing when I go to sleep, it is just, it's reminding yourself that you have a choice every single day you are the only one that's connected wherever you are and everything else is outside and you can bring to that situation whatever you want to bring. That's a lesson for literally everybody everywhere, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm somebody who, I can't meditate in the traditional way. I, I just can't. I'm too mm. much of an overthinker to do it. So for example, even things like if I can't sleep and people are like, oh, I'll count sheep. If I shut my eyes and try to count sheep, I'm staring at a blank fence with no sheep. <laughs> and then there's like a fucking stampede of sheep that I couldn't possibly count. Like, I don't want to people first. It. Like, it's stressful. It's stressful. <laughs> and that's the way my brain works, okay? Like, it just can't, it can't sit down and absorb mm. thoughts. And I'm mm. not somebody who can meditate in a traditional way. You know, when I listen to a tape or it's like, right, just observe your thoughts. Well, my thoughts are about some fuck up I made in court five years ago. But you, your meditation matter. is running. And so what I, yeah, so what I find is that I have to do some sort of active meditation, you know, mm. running or actually I find long haul flights are really good for me because mm. I won't watch a film. I might read a book, but. I won't watch a film. I won't do anything. I just sit there and let my brain think it all out. Like it's got so much space to just get through it all, mm. you know, overthink everything and then it's done. And then but I'm also, relaxed. But also it's about the feeling because again, I think there's so much pressure on meditating nowadays in, in a traditional way. And yeah, it doesn't work for everyone. I think running is amazing because it can be a moving meditation. Mm. But what I'm talking about, even when you wake up or whatever, it's how do you feel? You know, it's yeah. what frequency do you want to bring? It's, it's it's before your mind's even come online, or even if it does come online and it's got 3,000 thoughts or stresses, it's just taking a second to breathe, one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, and think of something that brings you joy or someone that brings you joy. Think of your family, think of your dog, think of a warm embrace. W whatever it is that brings you joy, you'll know better than me, but you let that feeling fill you up. Mm. And that's the feeling that, you know, and, and when you're in that state, because it's very hard to be very anxious or very pissed off when you are remembering something that brings you so much joy. Because your brain, it's just, it's not the frequency of it, you know? Yeah. I think probably one of the scariest times I've ever had was when I had a panic attack. Mm. It was a, I've only ever had one. And I didn't really, I'm not a particularly anxious person. I'm actually quite audacious. I've got proper younger sibling energy. Mm. <laughs> but, um, I'm not a particularly anxious person, but in 2018, I, I'm not sure whether it was work or what brought it on, but 
but I went through a period of being so anxious and it ended in this almighty fucking panic attack that was really scary because it happened Mm. when I was driving. Oh my God. And, you know, it was awful being in a situation where I was on an escalator going down into the tube and my body's just screaming at me, run back up, run back up, get out. Like this isn't safe. Wow. And, um, I don't, I don't even know really what it was, but I think one of the most powerful things I've ever done was overcoming anxiety mm. in 2018 because I still, as I say, I don't know what caused it, but I'm 99% sure it was work. But, um, mm. but I went through this horrendous situation where I had a panic attack while I was driving on a motorway. I literally just pulled over and called my mum. I was like, you're going to have to come and get me. I can't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> And um, I just think big energy to anyone who has ever talked to themselves around from anxiety or a panic attack, because that shit is so hard. Mm. And I mean, having a word with yourself like that is such a movement, I think. So no, but it, it is true. And even talking to yourself, because actually, when I came out of my last relationship, I, you know, like I said, there was a whole kind of reframing when I started to kind of acknowledge the way I'd really felt or how bad some things had really been not to take away from the good things because there had been, but there was a lot that I hadn't really kind of been honest about. It had led to me, I think feeling quite unsafe in myself, probably because I'd neglected my own boundaries. And there was a time when I was kind of like going out or starting to go out and starting to really re-engage with life. And I remember being in a nightclub and being surrounded by all these people. And and I wasn't too sure how I felt about it. You know, I wasn't sure how I felt about Mm. the group. I wasn't sure how I felt about male attention. I wasn't sure, you know, I just didn't really know. And I just kind of closed my eyes and it was like, I am safe. I am free. I am safe. I am free. And it sounds so silly, but I can't tell you how powerful it was to me in that moment. Mm. And actually to think about what is it that you need in that moment or in that day and tell yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I am okay. I am okay. Everything is fine. I am alive. I am free. I am safe. I am peace. I am strong. I'm love. I am joy. On this note, nightclubs Mm. can get in the bin. I mean, aren't they fucking horrendous? I mean, I I don't know what it is. Ever since I turned 30, I just can't stand the, you know, general public in nightclubs drinking and stuff. Like... I love having a dance, don't get me wrong. Come clubbing in Clary, you'll have a great time. I love a dance. But there is something, you know, about a nice meal with friends Mm. that for me, a nice meal with friends and a dance would be my ideal. There is something about sweaty men (laughs) coming up to you (laughs) thinking that they look and sound great in their Uh. absolute state. (laughs) that I just can't cope with. I have no patience for it, you know. I can't even be polite about it. I'm like, look at the fucking state of you, bro. Get out. Like, this is not You know, cool. it's, it's kind of why I loved spinning because it was like being at a nightclub, but at 7 mm. p.m. and you're in bed by 10. But... I love that. <laughs> but I want to hear about Zanzibar because you have a trip of a lifetime or had a trip yeah. of a lifetime. And I know that you were learning how to, was it kite surf? Yeah, I learned to kite surf. <laughs> and it was this is not something that we planned to do in advance. So my friend was working in Dubai. Mm. She's a solicitor. And um, I was going to go and visit her in Dubai, but then whatever, 
plans changed. We ended up going to Zanzibar, which for me, I was like, this is absolutely amazing. And we got there and everyone seemed to be kite surfing. I was like, oh, it would be nice to have a try. Not realizing that kite surfing isn't something that you can just have a go at. Like you actually have to learn to fly a kite. You have to like learn to fly a kite in water. There's a whole load of steps. And so we got talking to this guy called Mr. Kite, as he called himself, who owned one of the kite schools. And we ended up having some lessons. It was a phenomenal experience. It was so fun. But I still, to this day, two weeks on, have bruises all over my shins. Oh, my goodness. Because I decided to pick out a wedgie whilst I was trying to fly my kite. And, um, basically, what happened was our instructor, he was constantly, control kite, control kite, was what he was saying all the time. I was like, yeah, what do you think I'm trying to do? I'm trying to control kite, but kite is not being controlled. Okay. <laughs> Eventually I managed to master flying this kite and I was like, right, I'm ready for the board. I'm ready for it all to go ahead. Mm. Unfortunately, I was wearing women's fashion bikini bottoms, which are not made for anything other than an Instagram picture <laughs> as women's fashion <laughs> isn't these days. So I was wearing these bikini bottoms. I was doing really well. Okay. I had my board. I was controlling kite. I was doing everything I should. (laughs) I stood up and it was phenomenal. It was the most amazing feeling to stand up on the board for the first time. And I started, you know, actually managing to do it. But I had a really bad wedgie. So I decided to pull it out. I lost control of the kite. I went absolutely flying. The board board came off my feet but was (gasps) in front of me. Oh! So when I got back in the water... When I landed back in the water, the board was smacking my shins. Oh, and Christ. the instructor behind me is just yelling, control kite, control kite. I want it to be like, look, I'm trying to control kite, but board is smashing me in the shins right now. This is not going well. <laughs> Eventually, I had to let go of the kite to make it stop flailing around and pulling me into the board. Oh, my God. And he came over to me and he said, I saw you. I saw you. I was like, look, I'm trying to control the kite. He's like, no, no, I saw you. You picked your bums. (laughs) Actually, yes. If I'm honest, I did pick my bums. That's so funny. It did mean I was not controlling kite. So goodness. Lesson for everyone. Don't pick your bums. Don't pick out a wedgie whilst you're on a (laughs) kite serving. Uh, reminded a bit of when I went horse riding in Dubai a few years ago that they would have these gallop kind of mornings in the desert and you would go at sunrise and it was absolutely incredible and I do have a bit of a need for speed I mean I I do love an adrenaline rush (laughs) but I think and I was going every Friday but I think they kind of overestimated my ability so they then give me this horse and you know what we start galloping and I am flying I mean (laughs) I've overtaken everyone. We're going so fast. I've never ridden this horse before. And honestly, at this stage, I don't even know if I'm in control or not. I am just holding on for dear life, thinking eventually it'll have to slow down. And I can hear them kind of shouting for me behind me. I have no idea what's going on. But there's nothing I can do. I'm just like, it was like a rocket. And I said to the man after, so they eventually caught up. They're like, oh, we, you know, we told you to slow down. I was like, 
what is this horse? You know, like, I mean, amazing horse. But what, he said, oh, yes, well, in fairness, it's a racehorse. We just got him in last week. <laughs> Are you insane? Are you insane? But I actually wrote to them when I went to Dubai this time and I said, oh, are you still doing the gallop class? They said, no, it's been like forbidden. We only do cancer now. So God knows what happens. <laughs> but as you know I've been ending every episode with ask me anything although we've chatted a lot but if there's anything you want to ask me now is the time when you are 65 Mm. when you're a a lady who is mature and older in life Mm. what do you think you will tell your current self to appreciate about yourself sex Genuinely, I mean, what will I think? Maybe you're going to be really good at sex when you're 65, though. I think everybody gets really good at sex by the time they're 65, and you hope so. I I mean, you would hope so, wouldn't you? I just, the reason I asked that question is because I'm reading it. Well, I just finished a book Mm. that's written by a woman who's in her late 60s to Mm. younger women. Mm. And she says in it, you know, I just miss everything I hated about my body when I was 30 Mm. is what I miss about it now. She's like, if you are between the ages of, you know, 25 and 40, go and put on a bikini and do not take it off until you're in your early 40s. Mm. (laughs) And I love that. I was like, oh, you know, I love that sort of thing where you think, actually, the only thing that is certain is that we're all getting older And we're all going to change. We're all going to be so different when we're older. I hope that at 65, I will be a present. Dominatrix? Oh. (laughs) No. Well, you know, I think think I'm probably more of a submissive, but it might depend on my partner. Um, (laughs) I I hope that when I'm 65, I'm a presence in the community in the sense of being someone that the younger generation can come to. And I'm fortunate that I actually have quite a lot of older women in my life who take on that role of being, you know, part guide, part advisor, part, you know, godmother almost, you know, just fountains of wisdom and of love. Mm. And I was sitting with one of them relatively recently and she said, you know, if, if, if I was your age, I would do it all completely differently. And I said, in what sense? She said, you know what? I would stop trying to fit in. And she even meant in terms of her kids' education. She was saying she looks at everyone and everyone's trying to send their kids to the same schools or the right schools and get the right car and go to the right places and go to the right parties. And, you know, I think especially in Egypt, there's a very strong kind of social cohesion where there's like Mm. social pressure to conform and fit in. And she said, you know what? I would take my kids out of school. I would let life educate them. I wouldn't make them go to university. I would just, you know, she was saying that now that she's where she is, it all just seems so much more clear. And she wouldn't try and make her children kind of uniform or homogenous. Homogenous. She wouldn't try and make them homogenous. I was actually thinking about it when I, so the weirdest thing happened in Dubai actually, where we were all staying in this hotel, putting on a seminar and a silk, who is the silk that, recruited me and gave me pupillage but since left chambers happened to be in the same place on the same evening by sheer coincidence and only realized when he walked into the hotel and saw our chambers logo 
And I was telling him about all of the different things that I've been up to. I mean, he knows about the books and whatever. And then I told him about the podcast. And he was so enthusiastic and so supportive. In a way, telling him or like reminding myself of all of these things that I'd done recently, I look back and I'm so proud and glad that I did them. And individually, they may not have made much sense, but together, you know, they make me today who I am. And they all kind of complement one another. I remember, you know, when I looked back at the time, it was kind of just, oh, am I weird to be doing this? What's work going to make of it? Should I, shouldn't I? But I'm so happy I did. And I think that's, you know, I just want more of the same from now until 65, which is, just do what brings you joy, even if it doesn't make sense, because it will make sense later. Absolutely. I mean, I really love when you were saying about, obviously, society is obsessed with sending your kids to the coolest school or having mm. the nicest car and blah, blah, blah. And you just after a while, none of it matters, actually, at the end. I just hope that when I'm older, and I'm not able to jump and run and play like I am now mm. I hope I can just look back on everything and think oh I loved it in the moment and I love that for me now mm. um I just I don't want to feel as though I missed things or did something too soon or being the age that we are now mm. there's quite a lot of pressure when you're our age to do what everybody else is doing to do the fairy tale ending in your early thirties and get married mm. and settle down, have your children sort everything mm. out. And I, I think that that pressure can weigh so heavily on us that we can make mistakes because of it. And I just hope that I don't feel that sort of pressure. I don't right now, but I have mm. done previously and I probably mm. will do again. I just hope I don't feel any pressure to do things that aren't exactly what's right for me at the time. Mm. And I think, going back to your like the steps you've taken over the past few years like your poetry really impacts me thank you when I read it it really you know I, I won't read your books cover to cover but sometimes mm. if I feel like oh, I could really do with a, a something to relate to in this mm. situation I'll maybe read a poem from either your Instagram or your book or whatever just mm. to just to feel around my feelings a bit. Mm. And I do find it really, your poetry really impacts me. And so I think when you were thinking, oh, what's it going to look like at work? Or is this the right way to do it? What you have done is share something that other people can use to help mm. themselves understand themselves. And I think that that's really powerful. Thank you so much. I think that's Thank what you. I really value as well about our friendship and, and strong female connection, which is just, there's such a space of support it is to be cherished so thank you I know there's a level of mutual respect isn't there that mm. makes me safe in the knowledge that you would never be a frenemy mm. I, I just know that you would never look at me in a way that would be threatening to me ever mm. and mm. I find peace and comfort in our friendship because of that mm. I think that's beautiful and it's funny because one of the one of the poems in the book in waves is about the loss of female friendship and how it can be much more painful uh, mm. than the loss of a romantic relationship and it's funny because people often I, I think female friendship ending is sometimes inevitable because women are 
just so much more deeply emotional and there's so much more, you know. Yeah. But even the people that I'm used to be very close to and I'm no longer close to, there is still love and there is still respect, even if they think there's not, there is. And I know they would never tell my secrets and I would never share theirs. I remember actually saying to someone, I was much younger, it was maybe one of my first female friendships kind of dissolving. Six months after, she, she got back in touch with me and said, oh, I'd actually really like to, to renew. And I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. But I told her, you must know that I have so much love and, and respect for what we did have. Mm. And I wish you no ill will. And I would love to go out and, and have a coffee or catch up if I ever see you. But I, I just don't want to kind of renew that level of intimacy. But that doesn't negate everything positive that's come of it. That's interesting. The most ugly emotion I've ever seen in myself was jealousy mm. of a friend. And it was dreadful, actually. Um, mm. I won't go into too much detail because I'm worried that she'll listen to it and know that it was about her. But <laughs> I, had this friend, I had this friend who was so beautiful and so fun and so smart, you know, straight A student, all of this stuff. And I loved being around her. She had so much family money as well, which was something I probably envied at the time without even knowing it. Mm. And I just, I low-key fucking hated her. (laughs) And it's Mm. awful because I didn't know that and I didn't recognize it until something happened where an opportunity arose and I was able to take part in this opportunity and she wasn't because of some, mm. some family circumstance, she wasn't able to take part. And as I saw the sort of panic set in on her throughout the course of the day when she was realising she wasn't going to be able to take part in this opportunity, mm. I enjoyed it. Mm. And I've never, when I look back now, I have never hated something in myself so much as when I remember that moment because I think what a disgusting feeling to have towards somebody who's supposed to be your friend Mm. And I always think that jealousy in that way is just such an ugly emotion. I've never felt it since but, then. But like I think I the shame like is worse because you feel it, but you're aware of it. But then you can't shame yourself for feeling it. I think you can only give yourself love and compassion for the part of you that was, you know, mm. the, the, where that came from, from having had a very challenging childhood, from not having mm. had the family security that she had. And I think we have yeah. to give love to those parts of ourselves. And But yeah, what a confession. I've now confessed my most disgusting feeling. <laughs> but you know, isn't that so, but isn't it so liberating? Because there's two things I want to say. The first is when we acknowledge the quote unquote ugly parts of ourselves, you know, I'm still here. We're still talking. The sky's yeah. not going to fall down. <laughs> We've all had quote unquote ugly emotion. We've, you know, we, we all experience these things. It's human. There's no point pretending that we don't, you know, there's no point pretending that we're perfect. It it is human. And the best we can do is acknowledge it and learn to forgive ourselves and then try and do better. And sometimes we'll succeed and sometimes we won't, but it's, it's all, we're all in it together. And the second thing I wanted to say is, I think it's something I said actually in the very first episode of, of the podcast, which is one of my favorite sayings is to be so unapologetically yourself that you give people around you permission to be themselves too Mm. and I think that is one of the the greatest gifts we can give each other which is 
as much as we can to hold a space that is loving and kind without judgment. And even this morning, I was having coffee with a friend and, you know, I know that I could say to her, you know, what? I'm in a, I'm in a shitty mood and I'm shitty company, but I'd love to see you anyway. And the sensation <laughs> of having to perform. Yeah, that's so true. Mm. I want to give you a big hug. I feel like the only appropriate way to end this is with a hug <laughs> it is and also a reminder to whoever's listening that you know all emotion is valid you know even the fact that you were referring to this jealousy is disgusting it's just I actually really recommend I've spoken about her before on the podcast but following Jenna Zoe on Instagram J-E-N-N-A-Z-O-E he is so good at highlighting those parts of ourselves that might be uncomfortable and just showering them with love because actually that part of ourself is what is going to catapult us into our highest growth. Every day she does some very short stories and you know you can buy into her. She does something called human design, but you don't even have to buy into that. It's just such good, grounded, I, I don't know, to me what, what she says makes complete sense. And I think it's just so kind to ourselves and I think everybody would benefit she's fantastic and she's human and she reminds me and I think anyone who follows her that you know we all we all feel these things even your friend and it's funny you know that the, the friend who was so beautiful and so successful and had all this money she undoubtedly also gets insecure and jealous and has emotions and feelings you know it's it's part of yeah, the absolutely. full range of human experience Anyway, I mean, this is I think life, life is probably easier now. We have no idea the next set of challenges that are going to come for us. But I do think anyone who listens to this, I mean, life is actually for just enjoying mm. whatever you're doing, you know? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Whatever stage you're at, whether you're you know, a teenager in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Mm. There's got to be something worth doing and worth being around for and enjoying, you know, in everyday mm. existence. So true. Well, again, again, it's not it's not wanting to it's not wanting to go outside the lines. And I'm something I spoke yeah. about on a previous episode is when I, you know, when I tell people that I do this podcast and they say, oh, but what's, what, what's the end goal? You know, what are you going to do with it? What, what's the game? What's the end game? And I say, what do you mean? It brings me joy. <laughs> that, that is its purpose. It brings me joy. And, also, I think mm. unpacking is so healthy. Like I feel like in this session, just, just discussing everything, I feel like I've really just unpacked everything I have to think about and feel over the mm. last like two hours. Mm. So now I can go and attack the rest of my day with a sort of fresh mindset because I've had a little unpack of all of my feelings and thoughts. Amazing. And now I can go and enjoy street food in Greenwich or whatever. Mm. I've absolutely loved what I'm gonna do. every second of this. Me Thank too. you for your honesty, for your openness, for your energy, your vulnerability. Thank you for inviting me on. I feel really honoured that I've been invited onto a podcast. It's quite been usually. amazing. I can't wait to share it with the world. And until then, have a beautiful week, weekend, morning, evening, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Sending you so much love.
Thank you for joining The Wizard in the World. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe. Thank you so much for all your support. We can't wait until next time. Until then, don't forget to stay magic.